Jesus' house in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Our Father and our God, tonight we just begin to give you honor, praise, and glory. Father, as we come to tonight, as we come to this particular juncture in our discussion on the new, we pray, O oh Lord, for guidance, brevity, and insight. We yield ourselves totally to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We ask that in your kindness, your grace, and your favor, that tonight, O oh Lord, that in everything we do, everything we say, and everything we are, you are glorified. Teach us the word, Lord. Show us through the word that you are there and who you are. And in the process, change us to be like you. Father Almighty God, in Jesus' most holy name, we have prayed. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Um, it's a real pleasure to be with you, and I hope you've had a great week. We've got two, two um, subheadings to cover tonight, and so we will bring this particular conversation on how God brings the new in with the last two topics, and we'll cover them both tonight. Um, so we'll have two focuses. And so our scripture for tonight, um, to start, we're going to draw, uh, we're going to read the story in Genesis chapter two. That will be our um, Bible study for the first half an hour. And then we'll move on um, from there. Um, so our foundation um, text is Genesis chapter 2 this evening, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I'm going to read from the King James Version of the Bible. And I'm going to read, I'll actually read from one and I will, I'll stop at verse 25. It's a story that we've read over and over. Why do I go over it? Um, it's one of the things about doing studying the bible the beautiful thing about it is every time we go through it the lord will show us something new something that we want to focus on and uh, our core verse is in this text but i'll read the whole thing for context um ladies and gentlemen and actually i will read it in the bible in basic english um and i'll start genesis chapter 2 verse 1 and the heaven and the earth and all things in them were complete. And on the seventh day, and on the seventh day, God came to the end of all his work. On the seventh day, he took his rest from the work which he had done. And God gave his blessing to the seventh day and made it holy, because on that day, he took his rest from all the work which he had made and done. These are the generations of the heaven and the earth when they were made. In the day when the Lord God made earth and heaven, there were no plants of the field on the earth and no grass had come up for the Lord had not sent rain on the earth and there was no man to do work on the land. Verse six, but a mist went up from the earth, watering all the face of the land and the Lord God made man from the dust of the earth breathing into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. 
And the Lord God made a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had made. Verse 9. And out of the earth the Lord made every tree to come, delighting the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, the tree of life, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden, giving water to the garden, and from there it parted and became four streams. The name of the first is Fisher, which goes, excuse me, which goes about all the land of Havilah where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good, and there is bdellium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. This river goes round all the land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris, which goes to the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. Verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do work in it and take care of it. And the Lord God gave the man orders, saying, You may freely take of the fruit of every tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you may not take. For on the day when you take of it, death will certainly come to you. Verse 18, and these are our core verses, ladies and gentlemen. And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be by himself. I will make one like myself as a help to him. And from the earth, the Lord God made every beast of the field and every bird of the air and took them to the man to see what names he would give them. And whatever name he gave to any living thing, that was its name. And the man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. But Adam had no one like himself as a help. And the man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But Adam had no one like himself as a help. And the Lord God set a deep sleep on the man and took one of the bones from his side while he was sleeping, joining up the flesh in its place. And the bone which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and took her to the man. Verse 23. And the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Let her name be woman because she was taken out of man. For this cause will a man go away from his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they will be one flesh. And the man and his wife were without clothing and they had no sense of shame. And so, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, that's those are our foundation verses. And this is what we're looking at for the next half an hour, ladies and gentlemen. The first part is, and remember, this is our journey of the Lord bringing the new in. And the reason we say so is all of us are pretty much on that journey of the Lord taking us into a new space, whether that be, and we've spoken about that. So, these are our foundation verses. And what are we talking about tonight, ladies and gentlemen? The first thing we're speaking about is this, that God will always create the environment before making the new a reality. God will always create a suitable, beneficial environment before he brings the new into place. And I'm, uh, you've just read one of the key examples. 
from Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 20, you'll notice the Lord had created the, the, the earth and he had begun to put things in place. Now he's put the man into the garden. And we realize from verse 18, the Lord identifies, and this is the first time that these words are used, the Lord identifies that there is a challenge. And the Lord says, it is not good. That doesn't mean it's all bad. It's just that this is not the way I, God, have planned it. The Bible says, he then said, I'm going to solve this problem. And what you realize is this. The Lord then begins the process of ensuring that the woman is brought into the world. Not only does he ensure that the man is ready, he makes sure the environment is ready. But what I'd like you to notice, ladies and gentlemen, is this. That the woman was necessary. That Adam's help meet was necessary because God had created an environment that made the new a necessity. So by the time God looked at Adam in the garden and everything that he had to do, he said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Let's, I will make him a help meet for him. That is a help suitable and adapted to him. Now, what I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, please understand this. That means before God began the process of introducing something that had never been seen before, he had already created the environment that made that thing not only necessary, but totally suitable. And so what I also want you to do, want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, and this is really key. When you sense in your spirit, man, when you sense that the Lord is taking you into a new season, when you sense the Lord is taking you into a new realm, well, in whatever facet that may be, what I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, is that the Lord has already gone before you to make sure that what you are about to step into is not only going to be 100% successful, but he ensures that you are 100% necessary. So let's have a look at this. And I'm going to switch to the King James Version of the Bible. Reading it in the Bible in basic English was actually really fun. But I'm going to switch to the King James Version, and I'm going to go to verse 18. So the Lord of God has said, I will, I will make the man a help me. Notice he doesn't immediately put the man to sleep. And this is what we, I, I, I would love you to notice in this particular case. Listen to verses 19 and 20. The Bible says, and out of the ground, the Lord God, every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. The Lord was doing two things, ladies and gentlemen. Number one, um, number one, he was creating an environment. He was making sure that everything in the garden 
had a place. So when he introduces a new element into the garden, there's not going to be chaos and there will not be any form of competition. And so what I want you to begin to, to realize, ladies and gentlemen, is as the Lord is leading you into the new, he has already caused your circumstances, situations, hopes and desires to create an environment that will make the new thing that he's taking you into not only viable, but absolutely necessary. So we realize all of a sudden, Adam names all the animals and he's the focus is a helpmeet. He realizes there isn't one and the Lord says, right, it is now necessary for me to introduce the new because there is currently nothing that exists that will make it work. And ladies and gentlemen, the reason I'm saying it this way is this. The Lord has been preparing us for the last couple of years, at minimum, to say, I'm about to move you into the new. I'm about to cause the times and the seasons to shift. The reason I wanted you to please understand, notice what he did with Adam. He worked on Adam. So by the time Adam had named all the animals, the process of identification where Adam could say, God, this is what's on your mind. This is what I'm going to declare. He had become an expert in it. By the time God then brings the woman in, the environment for her arrival and her success was completely set. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to realize is the Lord has been working with you, on you, and through you to make sure what happens next is going to be not only viable, but it is going to be absolutely successful, and it is necessary. Those are the things. And so this is the first thing we see. The environment demanded something new. Now, this is, uh, uh, let me give you a few more examples to, to, to drive this home. And, and hopefully this will help us understand some of the things that have been going on over the last few months, some of which may not have made sense. So while Adam was naming all the animals, he didn't realize that God was coaching him so that when the moment came that he had to name the woman, he would have, he was going to be a complete expert. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord is doing exactly the same with you because he's creating the environment. He's working on you. He's making sure that what comes next is not only successful and viable, but he's making sure that it is absolutely necessary and you are absolutely ready for it. Let me give you a few examples that we find in the Bible. Um, the first, Actually, I will, yes, I'll, I'll go through three or four. Let's look at Abraham. Um, let's look at Abraham. If you come with me, ladies and gentlemen, to Genesis chapter 17. Actually, I'll go to Genesis chapter 12. I'll read from Genesis 12, 
verses 1 to 4. Okay, Genesis 12, verses 1 to 4. And the Bible said, Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse four. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So ladies and gentlemen, Abram's story begins, this particular section of the Bible tells us how old Abraham was. He was already married to Sarah, so we don't know how long he has been married to Sarah, but at this particular point in time, it's, he's 75. The Bible says he's 75. And also, this is the beginning of Abraham's journey. Now, turn with me in your Bibles, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Genesis chapter 17, and we're going to read from verse 1. Genesis 17 from verse 1. The Bible says, when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto him, I am the Lord, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And then he reiterates the covenant. But what I want you to notice is Abraham's age. So now it's been 24 years they've been looking for a child. 24. Come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Genesis chapter 18. The Bible says, and I'm going to go to... Um, verse 14 so this is the abraham is 99 now the lord comes back at another season so abraham is at least 100 and listen to what the bible says and the bible says verse I'll, i will read from verse 9 and the bible said and they said unto him where is sarah thy wife and he said behold in the tent and he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the door which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Verse 12. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am wax old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of surety bear a child which am old? Verse 14. Then the Bible says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? This is the Lord speaking. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. So, ladies and gentlemen, so this is now Abraham's 100. The Lord said, I will come back to you according to the time of life. So that's probably going to be at least a year and 18 months because they haven't got pregnant yet. Fine. Come with me, ladies and gentlemen, to Genesis 20. Genesis 20, Abraham journeys from where he is and he gets involved with Abimelech. Abimelech then says, 
let me marry your sister. And we've, we've spoken about that. But I'm going to look at verses 17 and 18. And, and I'm doing this deliberately, and I'll explain why in a moment. The Bible says, so Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So let's come to a conclusion. If Abraham was 100 when he got to Abimelech and he was with Abimelech long enough for Abimelech's wives and servants to have children, he was there nothing less than, what, two years, two to three years, because he had to see them give birth. So ladies and gentlemen, what we realize, what we're about to read, which is the shouting section, what we are about to read, Abraham is now at least 102 years old. So his journey looking for a child is at least 27 years long. So let's read the shouting part and then I'll explain why I'm here. Come with me to the, literally the next chapter, first verse. Um, next chapter, first verse. And the Bible says in Genesis 21, verse 1 and 2, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Let me read down to verse five. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Ladies and gentlemen, that means Abraham and Sarah were looking for a child for 25 years flat, 25 years. Why did I tell you that? One, I wanted you to see when we make statements about the Bible, the information is available to you to understand the things that go on around the stories. And this is the beauty of Bible study. So you can just begin to make little notes. Okay, this is, and the things that catch your interest will catch your interest. But what you realize is the Bible gives you a lot of information to understand journeys and, and people's lives and people's experiences. The second thing I wanted you to notice is this. Notice, the fact that Abraham was looking for a child for 25 years, created the environment that was perfectly suited to a miracle. So God knew that I want to bring in a miracle child because of what is going to happen next. So he creates the environment that is suitable for that miracle by ensuring that there's a long enough period as Abraham and Sarah are looking for children. And what does that mean? The Lord uses that delay to create the environment 
to ensure that when Isaac arrives, the environment is right, the miracle is placed in the right place, the kind of child is right. And then the rest, as we say, is history. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have been waiting for something for a long time, don't give up. What is the Lord doing? He's, in many times, he's creating an environment. Yes, um, he's creating an environment. So the Bible says he was um, a, a hundred, and then we counted the days. I'm going to go with the Bible. By virtue of my mathematics, I thought he would be about 100, 103. But the Bible says he's 100. I'm good with 100. I am honestly good with 100. So that's it. But that's around those ages if you follow the numbers. So ladies and gentlemen, what you begin to realize is while that delay was going on, the Lord was doing what? He was creating an environment that was totally suited for the miracle that Isaac was. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that have been waiting, trying, starting a business and keeping going, looking for an opportunity, looking for a certain relationship, looking for a certain job, what is the Lord doing? He's setting you up to introduce the new so that when he does perform the miracle, what happens next is a certainty. And ladies and gentlemen, think about it. As he did with Adam, so he did with Abraham. And so what I want you to see also, ladies and gentlemen, let's see whether this is true. So it's we've seen it. It shows up in Abraham's life. It's shown up in Adam's life. Let's see if we can find one more. There are a couple of others. And because of time, I'll pick on one more, just to give you an example of what I'm saying. And then I'll make a couple of statements. Ruth's marriage to Boaz was created. The circumstances were literally created in such a way by virtue of all the things that Ruth had gone through. So Ruth was conditioned for a miracle introduction into the history and lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. She didn't realize that. All she did was kept going. All she did was be kind to Naomi. All she did was do what was in front of her. But all the time, the Lord was working things out so that when her moment came, not only would she be prepared, but the environment for her miracle was perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, please keep this in mind. As the Lord works with you, when he wants to bring the new into your life, he will create the environment that will make the miracle viable. 
sometimes that process is where we have delays, where we have waiting, where we find ourselves doing things over and over again. And you could also take a look at a variety of Old Testament characters. Take a look at, I mean, Joseph's life. Take a look at Moses's life. Take a look at, so when you begin to realize that God works with a process, that means, ladies and gentlemen, the season you are about to go into, if the Lord is putting it into our hearts now that I'm about to do something new, the last five or 10 years of your life have ensured that what happens next, you will not only be successful, but you are also extremely necessary. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, the reason I say this is this. The new is necessary when everything that currently is, is unsuitable. Everything that was available is unsuitable. So the Lord says, I want to now introduce something brand new, but I'm going to create an environment for it first. I'm going to shape the person I'm going to bring the new into. I'm going to shape their personality and character. I'm going to shape what, the way it's going to be received. I'm going to shape how it connects one season to another. And ladies and gentlemen, that should give somebody confidence that the last five or 10 years of your life have not been wasted. The Lord has been working with you and on you to ensure that what you have been called to do is both necessary and viable. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that we find that to be true throughout the Bible. The Lord will ensure and 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 I'm going to say this carefully. Let's see whether the New Testament confirms this. Um, please come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read verse 13. Um, let me get into the Amplified Classic. I'm going to read verse 13. Amplified Classic, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says the following, For no temptation, no trial regarding as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold on you that is not common to man. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance. And that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience and such as man can bear. But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature. And he can be trust not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. But with the temptation, he will always also provide the way out the means of escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful 
to bear up under it patiently. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me. It is God's aim. Hear me clearly. It is God's aim that whatever temptation or challenge that comes against you, because he is present and because he is working something out, as you go through it, the temptation, the aim is you will come out of the temptation on the other side and God will be glorified. God's not going to allow you to go into something that is a dead end. That is, you know, you're stuck in this for life. No, the Lord is going to ensure that whatever the next season of your life requires will be shaped and built up as you go through the challenge. So let me give you another scripture. I, so tonight, I, I hope somebody is encouraged because waiting is tough. And sometimes the challenges are tough. And please hear me well, and, I, and I'll, I'll come to that in a moment. Let's go to one more scripture to see what we're talking about, and then we'll move on. Romans chapter 5, reading from verses 1 to 5, and I actually will read it in the Amplified Classic Version. The Bible says, therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Pause for a moment. In the King James Version of the Bible, that says that, therefore, since we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, meaning when you find yourself going through something. Know for a fact, because of Jesus's sacrifice and because of what his sacrifice has made available to you in putting you in right relationship with God, putting you in the middle of the grace of God, allowing God to take absolute control over your life, even though it may not seem like it sometimes. The Bible says that God is never punishing you. That's being done in Christ. So if you find yourself going through a temptation or a challenge, God has a goal at the end of it that will serve his greater purposes and his greater plans. He's not punishing you. The Bible says so. The Bible says we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's, there's nothing else to take out on you to satisfy the demands of justice. That means if God is, allows you to go through a challenge or allows you to go through a season of waiting or allows you to go through a season of where you have to learn or do something repetitively or work in a job that is not great, what is he doing? He's working on you. He's creating the circumstances around you. He's making sure you are suitable and that the environment that you're going to is suitable so that he can produce the miracle. And please keep this in mind. He's conditioning you so that the very best 
at the end of the day, one simple thing will happen. You and I will glorify God. So let's keep reading because Romans 1 verses 1 to 5 explains it. And then I'll move on to the next thing I want to say tonight. The Bible says, through him also we have access. We have our access, entrance, introduction by faith into this grace, state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely stand. Ladies and gentlemen, you are standing in the grace of God. And the Bible says, and let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. The outcome of this journey will be glorious. Verse three, moreover, let us also be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and unswerving endurance. And endurance, fortitude, develops maturity of character, approved faith and tried integrity. And character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us for God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Bible says you, when we go through trouble and we are in Christ, we realize that it might be tough while we are going through, but at the end of the day, God is going to be glorified. And he said, I'm going to shape you. I'm going to, I'm going to build things into you that will change your world on the other side of the trial. One of those things is faith. One of those things is hope. One of those things is character, where God can trust you. And ladies and gentlemen, think about it. In certain areas, God trusting a man is rare. Think about finances. Think about a husband or a wife. Think about a dream job. Think about a dream ministry. Think about what you've been praying for, there has to come a point where God can say, you know what, I can trust you with what is valuable to me. And he never does it without preparing you for it. And so ladies and gentlemen, for those of us that are waiting or going through a challenge, and I'm really, I'm humbled by the, the way the Holy Ghost is taken tonight. Please hear me well. What you are going through is not going to be for nothing. The Lord is shaping you for what comes next. He's building into you character, hope and expectation built on experience. He's building into you a reassurance of the grace of God that in all of these things, the grace of God will be present. It's not going to overwhelm you. But most of all, at the end of the day, he will reproduce himself in you. So when you step into your next season, the only person they will see is God. 
And ladies and gentlemen, the people that we deem famous, we acknowledge, we celebrate, have all gone through that process. And so ladies and gentlemen, I want you to be encouraged. So that's the first thing I wanted to talk about tonight, that when the Lord is bringing the new in, he will always create the environment for what he is about to bring in, but he also prepares the person. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing, this, the second thing, ladies and gentlemen, this is the, our last, um, the last bit of the Lord bringing into the news. This is the last thing we're going to talk about. And I'd like you to please remember this. When God brings the new into the world, he always produces results that have never been seen before let me repeat myself when god brings the new in it will always produce results that have never been seen before ladies and gentlemen let me give you a few examples the, the example we looked at this morning um please hear me well the example we looked at earlier in, in the hour, notice when the woman was reduced into the garden, it had never been seen before that there were now two. And all of a sudden, God said, this is what we're looking for. This is the solution to what comes next. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to begin to realize when the Lord brings the new in, he will produce results that have never been seen before. The first marriage shows up. And all of a sudden, and this is and the value and the sanctity of marriage is so important. Please keep this in mind. If you look at Genesis 2, reading from 18 to 23, 18 to 25 you realize there was no response from Satan until that moment. That is how valuable God's plan for marriage was. There was no response. He wasn't panicked until the marriage was established and all the amazing things that it brings with it. Ladies and gentlemen, please keep this in mind. The results that God is about to bring into your life, he is about to introduce through you things that have never been seen before. Never. And let's go through a couple. Um, let's go through a couple. Actually, let me pick on one major example. And, and it's, it's I, this is, even when I was preparing, this example seemed to stick in my heart. Ruth's story holds many wonderful things about it. But what had never been seen before? Three things. If you turn in your Bible, please, to the book of Ruth, and I will use her as 
our example um, by virtue of time. Ruth chapter four. Three things are never before seen. The first one is from verses Ruth 4, verse 18 to 22. Let me read this to you. The Bible says, now these are the generations of Phares. Phares begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. If you count, that is 10 perfect generations, 10 generations. And you realize that is what God said he would do in Deuteronomy 23. That was the that was the punishment that was extended to the entirety of Israel, that if somebody is born outside wedlock in that particular season, that 10 generations will pass before anything happens. Everything is put on hold. That was in those seasons. I didn't say that's true now. That's not because we are living under grace. So please, please hear me. The, so that those 10, that punishment was exacted in its entirety. In the middle of it, two things happen. The first one is Boaz can't find a wife. The reason being is because of his mother, who is Rahab. Rahab was a Canaanite. And she had run and lived a life that nobody really would want that kind of daughter-in-law. Rahab was a prostitute, not just an ordinary prostitute. She literally ran an entire organization. Somebody marries her, Salmon, who is in the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's generation number six. He marries Rahab, and it must have taken a miracle for Rahab to have children. It must have, because she wasn't young. They have a child, and the child is Boaz, and no one in Israel wants to marry him. So God does something he's never done before. He reaches into tomorrow and he reaches into grace. Let me read from Deuteronomy 23, verse 3. The Bible says an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to their 10th generation. Their descendants shall not enter into the assembly of the Lord forever. And he gives a reason. He rewrites the story for Ruth. He reaches into grace that is not yet available. And he gives it to Ruth. And he changes the curse or the limitation. And he said, your case is different. It had never 
been seen before. Ladies and gentlemen, when God brings the new into your life, what has never been seen before will become a reality. That was step one. Boaz marries Ruth. So God picks a Moabite and brings her into the lineage of Jesus Christ. Miracle number one. Miracle number two was Boaz's mother. Rahab having children, her having Boaz, never been seen before. Absolute miracle. And she was a Canaanite. Miracle number three. And this is what I'd love you to please, please remember. Miracle number three is that not only does God put Ruth in the lineage of King David, so King David is her great-grandchild, but he also places Ruth in the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and she's the third woman mentioned in Jesus's lineage, indicating that God said, I will make sure you are remembered forever. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me well. When the Lord brings the new in, in your life and in my life, the results that will be seen will be Never seen before. The Lord is about to rewrite the rules on your story. That's what he did for Ruth. Think about it. For Elijah, it had never been the case. When God changes Elijah's direction in 1 Kings 19, when he changes his direction, he says, look for somebody else to fill your shoes. He gives Elijah the opportunity to train his replacement. And Elisha does twice as much as Elijah. At that time, had never been seen before. Ladies and gentlemen, for Abraham, Abraham ends up with the largest family outside of God's family because God said, I only wanted one person, but everybody else who comes to me by faith is yours. So the blessings of Abraham, the Lord you realize in the book of Galatians that the blessings of Abraham, God lays on all believers, never been seen before. When Jesus Christ rises from the dead and ascends to heaven, having paid our price for our sin and restores mankind to his original position, hear me well, it had never been seen 
before. The results of the new will always change history. The child that you are about to adopt, the job that you are about to get, the business that God is about to resuscitate, where you are going to live, where you are going to work, where you are going to minister, where you are going to be kind, where you are going to teach. Ladies and gentlemen, what you are about to do next is about to change history. Because the Lord said, and this is the scripture I want you to remember, the Lord said, this is our scripture, Isaiah 43, verses 18 to 19, this is what the Lord said. He said, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The Lord is creating an environment that will make you famous. Please hear me well. The Lord said, I'm going to do something that they've never seen before. So you're going to have to take off the limits of yesterday. You're going to have to take off, well, this is how people did it. This is how old I am. This is who I am. This is my gender. This is what usually happens. This is what happens from people from my place or my country, my town or my city. Hear me well. The Lord is about to rewrite tomorrow because he said, I'm going to bring the new in and it is not going to be on your shoulders. It is going to be on mine. He said, I'm going to ensure that the necessary miraculous event that rewrites your tomorrow is about to happen. And so ladies and gentlemen, what I wanted you, this is what God has been preparing us for. This is what God has been shaping us for. What form will it take? I don't know. And I don't pretend to know, but He's working with you to get you there. And so the last scripture that we'll look at tonight and then, then we'll say a prayer is this. Please turn in your Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. Let me see if I can. Yes. Habakkuk 1, verse 5. Uh, let me read that in the, actually, let me read it in the King James. The Bible says the following, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. Then he says the following, For I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. Ladies and gentlemen, God is about to do something in your life, through your life, in your space, that if they told you the story, you say, nah, 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 it's not possible. It can't be me, it can't be me. 
the Lord is about to do the new in your life in such a way that he will be glorified. Ladies and gentlemen, I will crave your indulgence if I can to pray for you tonight. This is where we're going to stop the series. This is this is the, pretty much the end. And then we'll pick up um, on something new over the next few weeks. Um, and let's pray. And I join my faith with every single person here. And I pray that the ministry of the Holy Spirit flows through his word to you. I pray that the Lord gives you the sufficient strength to walk through what you're going through until we come to the unveiling of what God has planned for you. I pray sincerely that God grants you miracles of health, productivity, insight, wisdom, revelation, wisdom, um, revelation, knowledge, and understanding. I pray sincerely that your life and circumstances change the world as we know it, because God will introduce the new into your life. And then collectively, may we reshape the world as we know it. May we take what God wants to do next and make God famous once more in every area, in every country, and in every sphere in this world. I pray sincerely that this is your turning point. For those of you that are believing God for healing, for those of you that are believing God for a breakthrough, for those of you that are believing God to turn things around for you. Ladies and gentlemen, may God do it in such a way that he is glorified. May God do it beyond your wildest dreams. May God's kindness, may God's mercy, and may God's goodness surround you at all times. Ladies and gentlemen, may God bless you and may God keep you. Have a wonderful night. God bless you, um, but God will be kind. May God keep you and may God bless you. 